0: 1 Peter chapter 5 if you have your bibles 1 Peter chapter 5 faith through the fire living for Christ in a hostile culture sermon number 10 and we're finished uh, today with this study through 1 Peter and as since it's the last sermon and just want to remind you where we are Peter is writing to the Roman church the Roman church is under intense persecution they are being financially persecuted they're being socially persecuted They're being physically persecuted. Just going to be three years from now, uh, uh, Peter's going to give his life for the gospel's sake. Christians are going to be fed to wild animals in arenas. And Peter is writing to this group of believers and saying, in a hostile culture, in a culture that's turned against you, not just the government, the government had turned against them. Nero is emperor, not just the government, but society, the culture businesses, neighbors had turned against them. And Peter said, I'm writing you this book so you know how to comport yourself in these difficult times. Well, it's very appropriate for us because we're, we're beginning, a, a phrase the Bible would use is birth pains. We're beginning to see the, the birth pains of that, even our own culture, with society turning against us, businesses turning against us, government turning against us. And so how do we remain Christian? How do we live a Christian life in those difficult times? Well, Peter's been telling us that today. I, I've been looking for news clips to show you. Several people sent me this one, and I, I saw it uh, as well. But have you seen the new AI app that allows you to text with Jesus, Bible characters, and Satan? It costs you two ninety nine dollars a month. And you can have an app on your phone that will let you text with Jesus. And they have fed the, the letters in red and all the Bible actually into this AI program and it You can ask to speak with Paul, you can ask to speak with Mary, you can ask to speak with uh, uh, about a dozen different people, but Jesus, you can actually ask to talk with Jesus. But one of the most interesting things is uh, you can also ask to speak with Satan. Now I don't know if you ever have wanted to talk with Satan or not, I, I honestly hope you have not ever wanted to talk to Satan, but here's what's interesting about the app because Here's what uh, the New York Post said about speaking to Satan. Listen to this. Users anticipating fiery dialogues or cunning deceptions might be left scratching their heads. Instead, the prince of darkness champions love, respect, and understanding. values synonymous with biblical virtues. As if to ensure a modern flavor, each devilish interaction ends with a smiling face with horns emoji. So here we are, AI thinks the devil is full of love and respect. You say, why would they paint the devil in that light? Because Paul told us, that even Satan himself will appear as an angel of light in your life. See, the devil is not 100% error. The devil is not 100% wrong. The devil is a little bit of error and a little bit of truth mixed in together, just enough to get you to go down his path. And so I want to tell you about his devilish schemes today and preach this subject, The Battle Is On. Let's take 30 minutes this morning and let's talk about spiritual warfare from first peter chapter five hey i don't know about you life is always changing isn't it like you you go back and you think about i see all these memes on instagram a lot of times about the way life used to be i I read a thread on buzzfeed the other day that things we miss from the 80s and things we miss from the 90s like nothing really ever stays the same and i don't know if you thought about it about how much in your life your cell phone has replaced do you know how many businesses your cell phone has put out of business let me let me let me just uh especially you know if you got a little age on you let me give you all the things that maybe your cell phone has replaced for example televisions now i know they're not a hundred percent replaced but i watch more braves on my phone than i do on my television yellow pages let's be honest how many of you know what i'm talking about when i say yellow pages And some of you are like, why are the pages yellow? I don't get it. What is a yellow page? How about a camera or a GPS device or a calculator or an alarm clock or even a radio? Uh, A payphone, a payphone, uh, an answering machine. I mean, it goes on down the line. Airline tickets. I never get a printed ticket ever when I go. And my wife is always like, I want to print a ticket. She's just holding on to nostalgia. I want to print a ticket. And I'm like, I got it on my phone. Why do you need it on your ticket? Money, translators, DVDs, encyclopedias, Rolodex. Can I tell you this? All of the people who used and manufactured these things made a lot of money off of these things. I'm sure the makers of a payphone, for example, were just sitting around counting their money one day thinking, man, we got a gig that's never gonna end. Me personally, I've told you when I dated my wife, there were no cell phones and I ran up a a phone bill at home that was way over $100 and my dad said no more because Sherry was long distance. And so every day of our three years dating and engagement, Every single day without fail through a blizzard, or at least the equivalent of a Northwest Georgia blizzard. I stopped at a payphone, fed quarters into the payphone, and called her. Never thinking, I know, I personally invested heavily into the payphone business, thinking this is never going away. But you know what you learn in business is that you can never be still. You can never take it easy. There's always another business. There's always another invention. There's always something else that is coming after you. If you make money, somebody else is coming after you. And it's the same in the Christian life. Did you know that in the Christian life, right when we think we got it made? You've got to understand this morning that something, or rather someone, is always coming after you. You are under spiritual attack, and that's going to be even more so in the latter days. I mean, when you're sitting around counting your peace in your life, you got to understand something's coming after you. When you're sitting around counting the joy in your life, you got to understand somebody is coming after you. In this culture we live in as we get in the latter days, hear me, this culture, the culture, not just the enemy, but the culture is going to try to get you to sin so they can laugh at you while you're down. They're going to try to kill your testimony to make themselves feel better. They're going to try to get rid of your effectiveness for the kingdom. They want to destroy your family. They want you to walk away from God and they want you to walk away from church. And the enemy and the culture absolutely want to destroy your life. And Peter warned us it was happening. It was his final admonition to the Roman church. The final admonition is the devil is coming after you. What kind of spiritual attack will I be under when the culture turns against me, when the enemy sets his sights on me? What does that mean? look like stand with me first peter chapter five let's begin reading in verse number eight it'll be on your uh, on the screen if you don't have your bibles first peter chapter five and really i'm just preaching out of two verses but let's let's read to the end of the chapter first peter chapter five verse eight be sober-minded be alert your adversary the devil is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for anyone he can devour resist him firm in the faith Knowing that the same kind of sufferings are being experienced by your fellow believers throughout the world. The God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, establish, strengthen and support you after you have suffered a little while. To him be dominion forever. Amen. Through Sylvanus, a faithful brother, as I consider him, I've written to you briefly in order to encourage you and to testify that this is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it she who is in Babylon chosen together with you, sends you greetings as does Mark, my son. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. Thank you. you may be seated. So here's what Peter does. Peter delivers a strong warning about spiritual warfare. Now give me this morning. Let me remind you, this is not Paul. This is Peter. Peter who well understood spiritual warfare. Peter who knew what it was like to be on the winning side of spiritual warfare. And by the way, Peter who knew what it was like to be on the losing side of spiritual warfare. Can I remind you about the Peter we're talking about here? It is the Peter we're talking about who said to Jesus, I will never forsake thee. It was that same Peter who denied Jesus three times. The same Peter who went under spiritual attack by the enemy himself, Jesus looked at Peter and said, get thee behind me, Satan. It's that Peter. It's the Peter who gave in to Satan. It's the Peter who was called the devil himself by Jesus. It's the Peter when a little girl said, aren't you with him? that said, no, I I don't even know who he is. And then another little girl said, aren't you with him? And he cursed. It's that Peter. It's that Peter who is not only intimate with Christ, but is intimate with spiritual warfare. He is intimate with Satan himself. He is intimate with the enemy because Peter has been victorious in spiritual warfare and Peter has been the loser in spiritual warfare. It's the same Peter that the devil's been trying to kill him for decades, that he's fighting spiritual warfare. It's the same Peter that three years from now is going to give his life for the gospel's sake. It's that Peter who's warning us, the battle is on. How do we operate in spiritual warfare? Let me give you three things he tells us. Number one, he's telling us this, it's our notification of spiritual warfare. A notification of spiritual warfare. Look what he says. Be sober minded, be alert. Be sober minded, be alert. Peter puts us on notice that we're going to be engaged in spiritual warfare. You say, now, when is spiritual warfare going to come to me? Well, here's when it's going to come to you all of the time. Here, here's what I can tell you about spiritual warfare. It's going to come at the best of times. I mean, when you're on a high in your life, when you're riding a Jesus wave, man, when you're speaking Jesus in your life, everything's going well, and everything's going great, and it just seems like you're healthy, wealthy, and wise, your quiet time is rolling along, and you're, man, you're up here. Listen, the enemy's coming after you. But can I tell you this, in the worst of times, the enemy's coming after you. Man, when you are defeated, when you are down, when nothing is going well, when nothing is going right, the enemy's coming at You say, "Well, why does he want me when I'm already defeated?" Because he, he the enemy, is not satisfied with you defeated. The enemy wants to grind you to dust. That's why he'll come in the most trivial of times. It's not just when you're high. It's not just when you're low. It's when you're kind of in the middle and you think, why would anybody care about me? The enemy cares and he's coming after you. And so Peter said this, he said, you never know when the enemy is going to attack you. So you need to assume always. And so here's two words he gave us. Number one, he said, be sober minded. Now, that word is used five times in the New Testament, and every time it's used in a figurative sense. It literally means, the literal definition means holding no wine, having no wine inside of you. And so he says, be sober-minded. Well, why why do we use that phrase? Because your mind, the minute you take a sip of alcohol, there is a level of cloudiness that comes into your mind. And so Peter is saying, have no cloudiness in your mind whatsoever. Do not be fooled be sober minded what do you mean it means you ought to have a calm mind a clear mind when it comes to spiritual things don't be deceived don't be ignorant he said on top of being sober minded to be alert the word meant to be aware awake and on watch aware awake and on watch that i'm to have a Clear mind when it comes to spiritual warfare, that I'm to have a an alert mind when it comes to spiritual warfare, that I'm to have an unclouded mind when it comes to spiritual warfare. Now think about that word alert. Think of it this way. Think of it about a soldier who is on the night watch looking for the enemy to sneak up and destroy his platoon. That's the word used. That's the word used. They would have used it in the military sense you should be on constant watch that the devil is coming after you. He, Peter cannot stress enough that we must not and cannot be caught off guard when it comes to spiritual warfare. Why? Because it will lead to our ruin. Now, dear ruin, now, dear Christian, hear me. You're on notification this morning that the enemy is coming after you and that he is coming after you. Listen to these two words. He is coming after you regularly and he's coming after you viciously. What do you mean, preacher? I mean, he's he's coming after you all the time. You say, "Well, I fought him off yesterday." I know, but he'll be back. He'll be back. But things are going good. He's coming after you, seal. Things are going bad. He's coming after you still. He is coming after you regularly. Not only that, the enemy comes after you viciously. I'll show you a word in a minute that proves that. The imagery Peter is using, he is coming to, listen, what did Jesus say? Jesus said he is coming to steal, kill, and destroy. None of those are are playing around words. And Peter said, here's the most important thing about spiritual warfare. If you let him catch you off guard, The destruction of your life will be swift and sure. Swift and sure. So be sober minded and be alert and always be ready for the enemy and don't let him catch you off guard. I've told this story before uh, I think a long time ago, but we, we had bought our first house. We were just in our twenties. We bought our first house, had our first child. We were living in this house and, uh, it was a Saturday, uh, uh, morning and I was, I had to leave and go somewhere. I don't even remember. I li- I think it was going to a church function somewhere. And my wife was at home with Savannah, our just little baby we had at the time. And, uh, we, we, we bought our first house and it was, um, uh, the living room door just opened straight up into like the front door just opened straight up into the living room and you, you got to know me I'm not the I'm not the prankster guy I like to have fun I like to hang out I like to laugh I'm just not a prankster guy I don't like being squirted with the water hose I don't like being scared behind a door my, my wife loved doing that when we first got married I just hate all that I hate all of it. I don't do it and I don't I don't want it done to me and it's just not my it's not my thing like it's not gonna impress and so I just I I've never really. Done done it to her because I don't want it done to me now it kind of is my wife's personality but I don't like it but it was a Saturday it was a Saturday and I we were saying our goodbyes she was there in the living room with our newborn and and I was walking out the front door and I I don't I don't know what came over me but what I'm going to describe to you happened in less than a second I opened the front door and when I did, my neighbor fired off a gun. Now he didn't fire it off at me, but my wife didn't know that. And in a split second, in a split second, my brain doesn't work this way. My brain doesn't even think this way. But in a split second, I don't know why I made this decision because it wasn't a good one. Come to find out, and. Um, I I opened the door, I took one step across the threshold, a gunshot went off from our neighbor and I grabbed my chest, threw myself backwards on the couch and said, "Oh no!" And my wife screamed at the top of her lungs. She set the baby down, threw the baby down, whatever it was, went running over to me and I said, I'm just kidding. And at that moment, I wished I weren't. <laughs> I'm not gonna tell you the rest of the story. I'm just gonna tell you it didn't go well for me for quite a while after that. But it was, the timing was nothing short of comedic genius. <laughs> well, why did that work? And let me tell you why that worked. That worked because she didn't see it coming. If I would said to her, hey, Sherry, I think when I open the door, the neighbor's going to fire for gun. And then I'm going to pretend to be shot. And I'm going to throw myself back on the couch. And I'm going to see how that goes. She would have rolled her eyes and said, that's stupid. Because I prepared her for it. The reason it worked is she was unprepared. It's what Peter's trying to tell us about spiritual warfare. You're notified. You're warned. You can't be caught off guard right now. You shouldn't be caught off guard. What do you mean? Listen, if the devil came up to you and he said, hey, here's what I'm going to do this afternoon, just so you know, I'm going to lay a trap for you and I'm going to try to get you to sin. And I got this temptation. Let me tell you what the temptation is. I'm going to roll out this temptation. I'm going to sit over here. And I'm gonna, Monday morning, man, I'm going to get it right here. You get up, you get to work right there. It's going to be, you get to school right there. It's going to be, I got this temptation for you. And I'm going I'm I'm to lay it right here. So you'll step into it. You'd be like, you moron. I, you told me about it. I'm not going to do it. And, but listen, here's what Peter's trying to tell you. That is what he's doing in your life, right? The, the devil is laying traps for you. He's laying traps of temptation. He's laying traps of sin. The enemy's laying traps of discouragement in your life. He's trying to, hey, listen, he's laying laying traps of distraction and busyness to pull you away from God. Peter said, you've got to be alert. You've got to be ready. The reason Eve sinned is she wasn't ready. The reason Samson sinned is she wasn't ready. The reason David sinned is they let their guard down and they were not prepared. And Peter's trying to tell you, in these last days, stay ready. Let me ask you a question this morning. How ready are you? How prepared are you? How spiritually sober are you? How alert are you? Do you understand? Hey, listen, that guy or gal at work, they don't really think you're cute. It's just a trap from the devil. You're not as funny as they laugh. It's just a trap from the devil. That that business deal is not as quiet as you think it is. It's just a trap from the devil. We go off as if we're blind. And that's why Paul said to Timothy, those who are taken captive by him at his will. Because they're not clear-headed. They're not alert in their spirit. And I'm serving notice today the same way Peter did. You have notification. The enemy's coming after you. He's coming after you. Second thing he talked about, number two, was our opposition in spiritual warfare. He, he said in uh, verse number eight, your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Let, let, me, let me define several words for there. First of all, let me, let me just put them up on the screen here. Uh, first of all, there's the word adversary. The, the word uh, adversary, anti in the Greek, the word adversary means your opponent in law or your opponent in a dispute. It, it became, it was a legal term that, had, that wound up having more of a general usage to it. So, so it really just meant, it, it, although it meant somebody across the aisle from me in court, it came to mean just any kind of opponent. So in, in our vernacular of our day, we, we would apply it to sports. It's like the team on the other side. It's like the player's on the other side. Now, why call us adversary? Because, the, listen, the devil is not a nice guy on the other side that we want to uh, play uh, 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 kindness with. The devil is our enemy. The devil is our adversary. And listen, one of his tricks is to cozy up next to us and convince us he's our friend. He is not our friend. Here's what he'll whisper Same thing he whispered to Eve. Hey, God wants to hold you back, but I want to set you free. God, God wants to keep life boring, and I want to make life exciting. What he, what he really means is, I want to take away your freedom, and I want to put you in chains. He is your adversary. The Bible says he's an adversary. He says he's a roaring lion. Now, why would he use the imagery of a lion? The imagery of a lion is actually used of Christ at times in the Bible but why would he use the imagery of a lion uh, we see serpent in the Bible but why lion well there's a couple of three things you need to know first of all he talks about the voice of a lion the 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 roaring of a lion in Latin the word is rugitus. in the it meant the 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 roaring of a large beast or the bellowing of a beast that beast roars when he's hungry and wants prey so Peter's telling us the devil walks around like a roaring hungry lion who is not satisfied with the prey he already has but seeks to devour more and more souls he is a why a lion because a lion is a stronger beast there was really no imagery they could put that would have pictured a stronger beast than a lion they're bigger animals but none as fierce as a lion and it's why he leaves the imagery of the serpent the serpent it's considered subtle but not strong. And the third reason to use the line is that he is a bloody and tyrannical beast. When he gets in a rampage, he will destroy whole flocks and herds of cattle just for the sport of it. So the devil is a very bloody and cruel opponent. And he'll destroy your life just for the sport of it. And Peter says he is prowling around. Uh, He is on the constant lookout for a weakness in your life. Looking for anyone he can devour. The word devour is an interesting Greek word. It it doesn't mean uh, to eat. It means to gulp down it, it was it was used of actually more oftentimes than not, it was used of drinking a liquid and it would be to down a glass in one gulp the enemy's not wanting to play a he'll play the long game with you but he's not interested he's looking to devour you overnight and then he he calls him the the devil you you would know the greek word the greek word is diabolos in the greek It's it's translated false accuser, the enemy, our adversary. It it became to being translated devil or Satan. Here's what Peter's trying to tell you, that the devil is the most devious and evil creature the world has ever known. Hear me this morning. He has done what he has done for thousands of years, starting with Eve. He has done what he does on billions of people, starting with Eve. He has honed and fine-tuned his craft, and hear me, he has a demonic horde at his disposal to pull off his schemes. You say, where did he get that demonic horde? Well, Revelations tells us, Revelations chapter 17 tells us, the war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. The dragon and his angels also fought, but he could not prevail. And there was no place for them in heaven uh, any longer. So the great dragon was thrown out, the ancient serpent who was called the devil and Satan, the one who deceived the whole world. He was thrown to earth and his angels with him. His angels with him. The angels who followed him are now his demonic horde. And he's not just the devil. He would only be in one place at one time. But he's got a demonic horde, seemingly an unfathomable number, demonic horde. And they are there doing his will. And he's got a whole army to pull off his well-laid plans. And listen, when you've been practicing as long as he has, the closer we get to the end, the better he is at his craft. I don't know if you've heard about the 10,000-hour rule. Malcolm Gladwell wrote about it in his book, The Outliers, Historic Success. Fascinating book. He said, the rule suggests that achieving expertise or mastery in any field requires approximately 10,000 hours of deliberate practice. 10,000 hours of deliberate practice. According to Gladwell, this rule applies to a wide range of disciplines, including sports, music, art, and other complex skills. The 10,000-hour rule is based on research, uh, conducted by psychologist Anders Erickson and his colleagues who studied the development of expertise in various domains. Their research found that individuals who dedicated a substantial amount of focused and deliberate practice, focus and deliberate practice over an extended period tended to achieve high level, levels of skill and proficiency. So listen, here's what they're telling about us humans, that we can get great at something in 10,000 hours. And the devil and his horde have trillions of hours of expertise, of trial and error. And they've been doing it for 6,000 years. And this morning, I need you to hear me. They're turning that expertise on you. That's your opponent. That's why you cannot flirt around with sin. That's why you cannot control sin. You cannot engage in sin. You cannot play around with temptation. It is a sophisticated trap with the enemy. And it's why you must walk with God on a daily basis. It's why John said, you're from God, little children. You have conquered them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. He was letting us know that even though the devil is that good, the spirit of God is is stronger. And the battle can be won. How prepared are you? How ready are you for the foe? Listen, sometimes even Christians just view sin as harmless fun. But it's a deadly trap. And your opponent is vicious Your opponent is a master and your opponent is skilled and he's coming after you. So that leads me to number three. I'll call it our protection in spiritual warfare. Verse number nine, resist him firm in the faith, knowing that the same kind of sufferings are being experienced by your fellow believers throughout the world. Let me just look at some words real quickly. First of all, resist him interesting it's the same greek word where we get our word antihistamine from and it meant to fight to set yourself against to oppose to stand your ground and we're not run from the enemy we're stand our ground now what does that mean now sometimes we're, we're told to flee certain sins like paul said flee sexual immorality the way you fight sexual immorality is you run away from it you run away from it right but too oftentimes to us the enemy says boo and we fold like a cheap suit but he said You're to build up your faith, you're to resist him in the faith. That is, you are to be firm in the faith, that you should have a solid, the the word means stiff, unmovable, hard, not yielding to pressure, unbending faith. Christians must develop the kind of faith that is not movable and not retreatable in our lives. But get this, knowing that the same kind of sufferings are going on around the world. That every single Christ follower is fighting the same battles you and I are, and that's why it's so important. Hear me, church. So important not to be an isolated Christian. W- whether you're sitting here in our Rock Spring campus, uh, Rossville, Dalton, watching online, hear me. You are not to be an isolated Christian. You need church, you need small groups, you need Christian friends, why? It's gonna take all of us to get through this and that's how you protect yourself in spiritual warfare. You get the kind of grit in your Christian life that says, I will not be moved. You develop as a disciple of Christ so that I dive into this word and I stand firm on the word of God. And listen, you get with other believers as often as you can. Paul said in Hebrews, so much more as you see the day approaching so we can share in the struggle. And it's only when we do, do these things that we can fight back and be victorious against our enemy. Because listen to this, maybe the most important thing I'm going to say this morning, write this down. The devil's not looking for a fight. He's looking for a meal. He's not looking for a fight. He's looking for a quick, easy Meal. That's why James said this. James four seven. Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil, and what will happen? He will flee from you. It's the same thing Peter was saying. If you'll just put up a little bit of fight, a Christ centered fight, a godly fight, a daily fight, he will move on. Close your Bibles. I'm finished. You're not going to believe this about me, but I was a little kid in, in middle school, like tiny, like tiny. Not, 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 not necessarily height wise, i always been average or above height, but I've been, I was tiny. Like, like I was as little. I was like turned sideways and dis- I could hide behind a straw in middle school. Like I was so little, just didn't weigh anything, just so little. And I walked into seventh grade. Middle School, Murray County Junior High, we called it back in the day. walked into seventh grade man things were going fine for me until one day there was a guy standing now. Let me tell you how how junior high worked for me. middle school worked for me. You had to walk in and buy a lunch token every day so i don 't i don 't know if it was a quarter or fifty cents or a dollar i don 't remember, but you 'd walk in and you there was these counter open and you 'd go and get a lunch token and then use the token to buy lunch that day when you went through it, the The lunchroom didn't take cash you had to get the lunch token early that morning and so I go get my lunch token and so one day I walked in to get my lunch token and standing between me and the lunchroom counter is an eighth grade boy and I just don't know how to describe him a couple things I tried out for football and I was just a little boy and 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 they put me on the offensive line drills when I tried out for football now my helmet could spin around my head like there was nothing to me and they were just trying to hurt me, and and this this boy that was standing between me and the and the token counter, he was an, he was the offensive lineman, the star offensive lineman, eighth grader, and he found a rag doll in me, and so we'd line up have hitting drills, and he would make sure that he lined up and got to hit me every time. I, there's no doubt I was concussed from that day. He didn't try to hit me, he tried to kill me every single time. And I decided at that moment baseball was for me, and so I started playing baseball. But um, uh, th- this is guy, this guy standing between me and the token counter, and, and get this, he's eighth grade, full beard, <laughs> like full beard, like full beard. He weighed five times what I weighed. He was the same guy that had driven me into the ground, and he met me and he said. Um, he said, Hey, I forgot my lunch money today. You, you got any money I can borrow? And I'm like, yeah, I had an extra whatever it was. And I'm like, Yeah, here, man. You take it. Go get your lunch. Next day, he's standing there. And he's like, I, want, uh, I need money again. And I'm like, Hey, I don't have any money today. I gave it to you yesterday. And he's like, You might have misunderstood that for a question. I'm not asking, I'm telling. So he kind of visibly shook me down right there in front of everybody. Took my money, and I decided to fast that day at school and, and didn't get to, didn't get to eat. And this started going on. I tried to dodge him, man. I'd I'd get I'd get my parents to get me to school early. I'd get my lunch token. I'd hide it in my shoe. He said, "If I see you eating lunch today, I will kill you when the day is over." I'm like, you know what? I just think I found one in my shoe right here. Let me let me give it to you. And this went on for weeks. Went on for weeks. I mean, I was just getting tired of it. I was getting tired of being bullied. One day at the lunchroom, I noticed there were three or four of us that weren't eating lunch that day. So I was sitting with the hungry kids and, why why are you not eating lunch? And and they're like, well, I'm going to be honest. What's his name? I couldn't have found out what's his name wasn't hungry. He was just a bully taking all of our money away from us. So we decided right there, we're done with it. So we had gym class. He was in our gym class the next period. There's three or four of us. We marched down to him. Now, here's what you have to understand. If you added up the weight of all four of us, he still weighed more than all four of us did. If you added up every hair on our bodies, he still had more in his face than all of us did. Testosterone was thick in this eighth grade boy. But we walked down to him, and here's what we said. We're tired of it. We're not giving you another dollar. We're not giving you another dime. We're not giving you another lunch token. Now, here's what we all know together. You can kill all four of us if you want to. But here's what you need to know. It may not be worth the fight. And he said, boys, I've just been playing with you. And he never bothered us again. And I look back on that incident and do you know that's exactly the way the devil operates in your life and my life? He's a bully. He's not looking for a fight. He's looking for an easy meal. Don't be that easy meal. Put on the armor of God every day in your life. Stay in prayer every day and throughout the day. Know the word of God. Keep your sin confessed. Be filled with the spirit of God. Stay in church. Be obedient. Just don't be worth it. Let him move on to easier pray. But don't let that easier pray be you.
1: Thank you, Pastor Joel, for that incredible message that wraps up Um, our Faith Through the Fire series. And uh, man, I've, I've mentioned this before. I've really enjoyed this series and the hope that it brings for us. But today, Pastor Joel talks about spiritual warfare and the fact that we need to be ready. We need to be on alert that the enemy wants to attack us. He wants to destroy our testimony. He wants to cause us to lose when it comes to the spiritual battle. We can't let him do that. We've got to be prepared. We've got to be prepared through the word. We've got to be listening to the Holy Spirit and what he leads us and guides us to do. And the best way to begin that preparation is through a relationship with Jesus that begins with you understanding that you're a sinner and you can't save yourself. You've got to be willing to admit that. Jesus died on the cross. He was buried and he rose again the third day to pay the penalty for our sins you've got to believe that and then you have to confess him as your personal Lord and Savior in fact Romans chapter 10 verse 9 and 10 says we believe in our hearts and we confess with our mouth and we will be saved perhaps God has spoken to your heart this morning and today is the day you need to give your heart and life to Christ simply in the quietness of this moment tell God this Lord I know that I'm a sinner and I'm sorry for my sin. I believe that Jesus died on the cross, that he was buried and that he rose again to pay the price for my sin. And Lord, right now, I ask you through the power of your Holy Spirit to come into my heart, take away my sin, be my savior. Lord, I give my life to you in Jesus name. If you prayed that prayer this morning for the very first time and you meant it, we wanna say welcome to the family. We want to celebrate with you. This is a big deal. And so if you'll click on the link we've just dropped in the chat box that says, I commit my life to Christ, um, I'm going to send you a book. And um, I'm also going to connect with you and help you take next steps on your faith journey with Jesus. It's been awesome to worship this morning online. I look forward to these times each week. I hope that you have a great week, and I hope you join us again next week. God bless you.